Welcome to the CHW Crew Podcast, where we discuss community health workers and how they are impacting their local communities and health and wellness with their crew. I'm your host, Tasha Whitaker, a CHW and instructor on a mission to empower and highlight the amazing work of healthcare professionals just like you to live your best quality of life. I'm your host, Tasha Whitaker. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. I'm back. So the podcast has taken a little break. I had a little free time this summer for my birthday month and just hanging out with family and just kind of giving some time to not do podcast (laughs) episodes. And so I've really enjoyed this time off and being able to rejuvenate and, you know, relax and have some time off. But guess what? We are back. And I'm so excited to start putting out the podcast episodes again, because there are so many people who are going to be sharing their stories and giving nuggets and wisdom and their perspective of community health workers. And so it's going to be an exciting time hearing different stories that you'll be able to relate to. And that'll be able to give you some perspective of maybe things that you are currently going through or have been through or maybe going through (laughs) in the future. And so I'm excited about the different people that are going to be sharing their stories to come. And so just to know kind of what's been going on with me. So this past, well, this summer, you know, I've been able to get out a little bit and travel some. I did that last month for my birthday, which was a lot of fun. I hope you guys are enjoying your summer and that you're still being safe, you know, taking precautions, wearing your mask, things like that. Many people are starting to get vaccinated. And so if that's something you choose to do, or if you don't choose to do, you know, still try to keep be safe, watch where you go and wear your mask. It's definitely not over, but we are starting to see, you know, the the rates dwindle down. For me, I am now uh, moving around a lot more than I was. And so it's really good to be able to see family that I hadn't seen in so long um, now that I'm vaccinated and family is vaccinated. And so you guys just make sure to stay safe as you are going out if you choose to do so. Also, the Nashua National Association of Community Health Worker Conference is coming up July 28, 29th. And that's exciting because, well, it's going to be virtual this year. Um It's not going to be in person, but that's still going to be exciting to be able to network, connect and learn um, about all the different things that are going on with CHW. So as many of you know, COVID-19 has definitely put CHWs on the map for all the work that they've been doing in the pandemic and all the contributions that they've made with getting people um, access to resources and helping with vaccination sites and doing so many different things during this pandemic. And so you've heard a lot about community health workers, uh, maybe more than most. And so now I feel like this is the perfect time for people to learn about all of the many ways that CHWs can be utilized and leveraged and the work that they do and how important it is for them to be a part of healthcare system teams, different organizations and the value that they bring in connecting people to resources, navigating them. So I'm really excited to hear and see more research of what people are going to be doing to implement CHWs into their workforce. Um, We also have 
have other conferences that are coming up as well. There's so many. Um, so it just really kind of depends on your state. But I definitely would tell you guys to check out NASHWA, the National Association of Community Health Workers, because most states resources are poured through NASHWA. And so you can literally just go on the website and select your state and get connected to uh, your association board or coalition or whomever in your state. All of them are listed on the website. So for this episode, we are going to be talking to Mr. Philip Cooper, and he is located in North Carolina. So excited to bring him on the podcast because he works in recovery and outreach, and he's very passionate about men and fatherhood. He works in a lot of different capacities when it comes to building up the community around economic development, recovery, and making sure that people have the resources that they need, especially once they come out of prison and getting back into the workforce. And so his transparency and his authenticity as he shares his story and his journey of maybe of the bumps that he's gone along, um, you know, in life, as many of us do hit sometimes, it's just amazing because he has no problem sharing his story. He's very authentic. And I know that it's going to help someone be able to blossom in who they need to be. And so I'm so excited. We had so much fun in this conversation. He's very energetic. He's he's funny. And, you know, he definitely um, adds great value to conversation around utilizing community health workers and what that should really look like in in a variety of different uh, communities. And so it doesn't look just one way. For some people, it looks totally different, and you have to rethink about how you're going to innovate these roles of CHWs. And so he's going to share some of that with us. So you guys, I hope you enjoy in this podcast episode. In the meantime, go ahead and head on over to the chwcrew.com. Check out our website. Check out our store and leave us a comment or rate us on Apple Podcasts. All right, y'all, let's hop into this podcast episode. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. I'm so excited to have our podcast guest today, Mr. Philip Cooper. How are you doing today? I'm blessed. It's Monday. I'm rejuvenated. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) Look, listen, y'all, he is full of energy. Okay. So right now it's about what? Nine o'clock your time. (laughs) So we're late at night and he's full of energy after a full day of work. So (laughs) this is the kind of energy you want on your team. Right. So let's go ahead and jump in. Um, We met what over social media and he's always sharing all of the different types of work that he is doing and so let's just jump in and let people know exactly where are you from kind of what your background in is and what's your, right. what's your story yeah thank you for having me on here miss tasha uh it's i try to tell people man social media is powerful you know it's mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the, the best uh, weapons we have in fighting, you know, the uh, the fighting off whatever it is we fight, whether it's mental mental health issues, substance use disorder, economic issues. Like it's so much awareness we can raise on social media connections to be made, networking and all of that. So I'm, I'm grateful to be on here. Um, I'm from Western North Carolina, a native of Western North Carolina here in the Appalachia. 
And um, my and I wear many hats. Like a lot of you know, it's crazy. A lot yeah. of community health workers wear many hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us do. Yes. And like I heard, I was on a listening session. It was like a national community health worker listening session. It was uh, less about six months ago, maybe. And I remember somebody said that community health workers are experts at figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me. That that stuck with me. But, you know, my job title, um, my full time role, I'm the coordinator for a project called Inspire, which is focusing on people who have substance use disorder who are being released from long term treatment or prison. And then I do work in the community as well as it relates to economic development. And I do a lot of advocacy, you know, uh, like for living wages and then for programs that provide affordable housing. Wow. That's a lot. You said that off very quickly, but do you realize how much that is and how much we need to break that down? Yeah, we gotta, yeah. we gotta break some of that down a little bit. So <laughs> let's take me back to when you first learned about community health workers and how you got into the field? Well, to be honest, man, so I've been a what they call a peer support specialist. Mm-hmm. I've been a peer support specialist. I first got my training in 2012. And okay. so I've been doing the peer support work since 2012. I didn't get hip to the community health workers until 2019. Right. And so um, there was a program uh, that was for formerly incarcerated folks, because, see, that's my ministry. That's my passion. That's my work. Like returning citizen affairs is something that I'm very passionate about because my prison stint is what saved my life. You did. Mm -hmm. So um, I learned about this program called the FIT program, which is in uh, North Carolina. It's the formerly incarcerated transition program. And they utilize community health workers. They're staffed with community health workers who have who have uh, experience being in prison. So the people getting out of prison that have chronic illness, including mental health disorders, you know, them community health workers, they they connect with them, establish rapport because, you know, we've been in your shoes. You did trusted yeah. members of the community. Mm-hmm. And then we bridge the gaps to the resources. And so since 2019, that's when I first got plugged in being at the seat. Um, North Carolina just started hitting it real hard, though, you know, as far as going with this uh, community health worker movement. Mm-hmm. But my my first assignments as a community health worker was getting out PPE when the pandemic first hit in 2020. So okay. that, that was really my first assignment as a community health worker by title. Prior to that, I was doing community health worker work, mm-hmm. but I wasn't being called a community health worker. I was being called a peer support specialist. Okay. And so for people that may say, okay, I kind of feel like I'm doing something a little similar. Um, what words of encouragement would you tell them that could help them catapult how you seem to have blossomed from where you were to where you are now? What really helped right on. you? Right on. So, you know, I, I live by uh, recovery principles and I am a religious man. I know your viewers may not all be uh, as religious as I am. So um, I'll say that I live by bi- biblical principles and that, that that God connected me with recovery because see substance use disorder. I'm in recovery from substance use disorder. I've been clean and sober for 12 and a half years. Glory be to God. Mm-hmm. And so when I first uh, uh, got involved you know, uh, uh, in in a recovery scene, what we understand in recovery is that iron sharpens iron. Yeah. You know, we also understand that you know uh, the opposite of addiction is connection. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first things for me was 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 the mentorship piece. 
that was the mentorship piece. And that's what I would recommend for anybody to stepping in to a new arena or maintaining in your current arena, man. It's really about the mentorship, having somebody who are, who's holding you accountable, who's pointing your spirit, cheerleading for you, a safe zone to talk about what issues you having. Because, you know, with our clientele that we serve, a lot of times it can be draining. You dig? So we got to make sure we take care of ourselves. A wise man told me you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can't. And, you know, I love that you bring up mentorship because sometimes we can get stagnant and we may feel that I can make this happen. You know, I don't need the help. I don't, I don't need it. You know, I've been doing it this long, but I always feel that you can always learn from somebody else. I was just telling somebody that today, no matter how much experience, how many degrees you have, it don't matter. You can always learn from somebody and it's amazing the people that you can learn the most from when you really just sit back and listen, when you really sit back and listen and you kind of take in different people's perspectives. So thank you for saying that. So Mm -hmm. for some people, mentorship may not, it might not seem as easy because they may be afraid to Mm -hmm. even approach somebody and say, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling with this. Can you yeah. give me some guidance? So how did you approach that? Well, you know, I came in uh, operating in, in humility because, like I say, I, I, I'm always lean back on recovery principles because recovery gave me my life back. You did. So once I was in recovery, I understood that humility was important. And I also knew that open mindedness was important because you can't graft a, a, a new idea onto a closed mind. And a closed-minded person can't learn nothing new. They stuck. They lost in the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So for me, uh, um, if it was a person that's new in the field, if it's a person that's new in the field working as a community health worker, looking to help people and 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 heal the community, I would have an expectation on them to to understand the value of mentorship. Mm-hmm. Because when you're coming into this role, this is a very serious role that we playing. So I have an expectation on a person to understand the value of mentorship before they get in this, before they get in this work. You know, like for me, I'm not a trainer, but if I was a trainer, one of the things that I would continue to to press is the mentorship piece, the accountability, things like that, because we get ready to hold people accountable. We got to practice what we preach or or what the Migos say, walk it like I talk it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that's true. That is so true. And it's hard sometimes. It's not always easy, you know, especially when it comes to those principles. Like it's summertime, right? You know, we yeah. out here trying to eat right, do right and all of that. But also we've been stuck in the house the past year with mm-hmm. the pandemic and people are starting to have barbecues and get out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so sometimes it can be a little hard. So how do you keep yourself accountable? So I have I have a team, right? Now, I have uh, uh, a couple of them from church. I have one from like the recovery community. And then, you know, the guys that I rock with, all of us are really on the same. We on the same type of time. Like we all, for the most part, either we provide reentry services or we provide like uh, services for people like substance use disorder services or we go to the same church. So we hold each other accountable as it relates to our habits. You dig like 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 if uh, video, if it's too much video games 
uh, our exercise. Like we like to remind each other about exercise, you know, and plus being somebody that's formerly incarcerated, a lot of us, you already know, we love to go lift weights, mm-hmm. you know? And so whenever we not hitting the gym, you know, we hold each other accountable, but accountability is very important to me because at the end of the day, like convictions save our life, whether there's the internal convictions that people have trained us and trained our mind. And then we start to start implementing the things that somebody trained us to do. And then we have the internal conviction or we have those individuals around us that we trust. I have individuals around me that I trust that can convict me whenever I'm doing something that I ain't got no business doing. Just like working too much. You know, I don't have people, they make sure you practice in self-care, Philip. You know what I'm saying? Like stuff like that. And, and I have to, I have to receive it from the people because these are people that I allowed in my circle and I'm careful about who I like allow in my circle. I don't let just anybody be in my circle. You did. You got to earn a right to be in my circle. At one point in time, when I was in the streets, I had people around me that were snakes and people that was that was mooches and just trying to drain the life out of me. And then when I got my life right, gave my life to Christ, and I started valuing myself, then hold you got to make the cut to be over here, homeboy. Mm-hmm. You got to be living on the site type of time of me, or I'm helping you get on this level that I'm on. Because if I can't help you, Harry Hippie, you heard the song before, you know what I'm saying? So, like, the, the dudes that I'm rocking with, they can hold me accountable and vice versa. And that's important. I think that's important in any situation, though. Even when it comes to friendships, when it comes to the colleagues that you are around, when you're trying to level up professionally, um, mm-hmm. you got to have those type of people inside of your circle. And it's okay to not have people in your circle that are going to be yes men that are just going to constantly on. tell you yes. And that's going to constantly agree with whatever you have to say. Listen, I have some really amazing friends in my circle. That's like Tasha. No, nah, that's, that's not what it is. <laughs> no, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. no. And I'm like, what? That's a good idea. You know, but I need them in my circle because they make me better. They make me think about things that other people may not may bring to my attention that I might take in a total different way because I know it's coming out of love from them you know sometimes it just might take me a minute because i'm like whatever like that was a good idea you know but um i definitely think that that's important especially as you're growing in your career so you've kind of gone through some ups and downs and um you seem to have really found your spot and found your voice and the work that you do in the community. Because listen, you guys, he's always sharing resources and posting about what's going on in the community. So how did you become so courageous in starting to open up and share your testimony? Because that's not always an easy thing to do. Well, it it really started like with with the recovery scene because seeing recovery like when people like when when you stay clean and you have your celebration each year you know you have different types of celebrations and so one of the gifts that the lord bestowed upon me was my ability to articulate a message and like public speaking and stuff Mm -hmm. you did Mm -hmm. so so boom that was given to me from god and then uh, so so i i I got a lot of practice being in the recovery community and also and also being in the city where I was towed up from the flow up. See, this the same city I was running the streets. People knew me from back in the day. So, so, so it wasn't nothing I could hide. Like really, you know, when it got to the point to where, you know, people seen me walking it out and they'd be like, Hey, can you talk to my nephew or, 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 or Hey, my son getting out of hand. Can you know? And, and then the next thing, you know, I had this respect, 
you know, the, the, the same city where, where people was like, man, you better watch out for him. Now these same people like, hey, how you doing, Philip? I'm so proud of you. So it was really like the people. The people gave me power. That's why I'm always committed to the people. See, the people put me in my position. You did like the, the government and, and the stakeholders and stuff like that. I've been holding I was holding them accountable, you know, and rest in peace to George Floyd. But see, when George Floyd died, then I, my voice started being heard a little bit more locally. And it's sad. I was going to post that on social media earlier because, see, you know, with community health work comes a level of advocacy. You feel me? And activating. You dig? And so like when you start talking about social justice and everything, because, you know, when George Floyd died, everybody come out of nowhere. want to talk about equity and diversity and everything thing you know what i'm saying and so for a person like me you know being in this city and having having people that start believing in me and and the next thing you know people was recommending me for jobs because like i don't have a bachelor's degree you know what i'm saying i have a two-year degree and i and i worked hard for my two my human services degree but i haven't got my bachelor's degree people started 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 promoting me and, and, and and vouching for me so i'm committed to the people because it's the people that put me where I am. You know, that's why I'm so passionate about healing the community. You know, one of the things that I, and I'm fired up now, you got me talking about. The, <laughs> Go but, ahead. But, but one of the things that I'm passionate about now as a community health worker is, is the fatherless homes. The fatherless homes, the, from the economic piece, from the healthcare piece, from the education piece, you know, never because because us as community health workers, we resource brokers. We know the game. We know how the game works. You dig? And, and, and so there's employers who want to hire people. Like, she's so nice. She, you know, she's so intelligent and articulate. She's sweet. But, but listen, you got to be careful. You're trying to work up 40 hours a week, making, making $15, $16 an hour. She don't need that right now, homie. You know what I'm saying? She got, she, she don't need to lose her daycare vouchers yet. She ain't ready to lose her daycare vouchers yet. We start having to talk about the benefits, Cliff, educating people about that. You know, so for me, like I said, I'm always committed to the people. Even when I started leveling up in the workforce development world, it's like, okay, I'm here. We talking advanced manufacturing. But what about these single mothers over here? What about affordable housing for them? What about income-based housing for them? Because, see, in my area, we in Asheville, North Carolina, it's a whole bunch of rich folk. And then you got the poor folk. You ain't got no middle. It ain't no man. You got a whole bunch of tourists come here to retire. And then you got some natives here, you know what I'm saying, that have been around. You dig? But a lot of that gentrification, I don't know. Where you at, sis? I'm in Texas. I'm in oh, DFW. Oh, yeah. Man, I know it's hot down there, boy. Good <laughs> gracious. I know it's hot. It's probably 90 something degrees down there right now. Yeah. I'm in Texas. It is warm. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I get fired up, though. Yeah. Just, but but just, you know like, what? Yeah. It's okay because that's what you are passionate about and people can see the passion like people that's never met you before and people that are listening to the podcast all over the world right now they can feel your passion they can hear your right passion. On. So tell me this, why do you think that it's so important for community health workers to be a part of the healthcare system? Why do you think think that? Well, for one, there's a lot of distrust. I mean, like, even if you we start talking about the vaccine, you know, I got vaccinated, but I could respect how some people wasn't willing to take the chance based off of things that have happened to our people. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Now I took a chance. I took a leap of faith with me being a community health worker, and I'm, and I'm gonna be real with you. That some you and the viewers probably giggle at this, but it was funny because I'm out here trying to make sure that there's equity with getting out the vaccine. Yeah. As a community health worker, I'm trying to make sure everybody got access. Make sure you know what's going on because everybody ain't got social media, and they was raising awareness on social media. So it, it was some people that that wasn't getting the message. So I'm I'm raising awareness and this, that, and the third. And then people are like, which one did you get? I'm like, oh yeah, I ain't get it, you know, and I got tired of saying it. They're like, well, why? How you you trying to get me to get it? You ain't get it. <laughs> <laughs> like this, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I but I ended up getting it, and so just like with that, like community health, me being a community health worker, I was able to be that that intermediary between the two. You know what I'm saying? Able to translate the message to the system too, because they're like. Why, why uh, so many black people, you know, it was some white folks that didn't know, that didn't know. They're like, oh, I don't understand why. Then I had to say, well, you, you, what you know about Tuskegee? You know what I'm saying? What you know about this? Like, this, this, is, this is what they tell me. They're like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? But I had to be the bridge. I had to be the translator and vice versa, you know, because it was my mentor that really lessened my mood. So my wife got vaccinated. My daddy got vaccinated. And then, um. I was talking to my mentor and he's a veteran. You did. Mm. And I got a lot of respect for him. He a beast. Dr. Bennett is his name. And I, uh, I'm talking to him and he was telling me how it was when he went to the army. He was like, bro, when I went to the army, man, I got so many daggone vaccinations. I ain't know what I was getting hit with. So if I, you know, I ain't die from that. So, you know, and that, that helped me out a little bit too. And that goes right back to what I said about mentorship, mm-hmm. you know, cause he was somebody that I trust. You feel me? So, I was able to rock out that way. But as far as to your question, when you was asking about, you know, what the role that the community health workers play in the healthcare system, it's it's a lot of roles we play as advocates, as as translators, you know, as making sure the messages are getting to the people and holding the people accountable, you know, because we've been in their shoes before, especially like when you start talking about behavioral health, you dig? Um, in my end, I see the lack of the, especially where I'm at now in Texas, y'all blacked out. I already know what type of time y'all on. But where I'm at right now, you know, there's a lack of diversity in the mental health workforce. So you have a lot of folks who are providing behavioral health services that don't look like the people that they're serving. So there's a distrust there. Mm-hmm. And that's so, true. I yeah. mean, when, because listen, for people that kind of really don't understand the benefits of community health workers, like he's been talking about building trust, building the relationship with people and you can hear his passion. So if you're in a community and you are seeking resources, first of all, it's already hard for you to even admit that you are in need or for you to humbly go to someone and talk about, you know, mental health, mental health, that's very personal, right? Um, anytime you're in a situation of need, you're vulnerable. And so I think that that's one of the reasons why it's important to have someone that you may be more familiar with and who can understand your lived experiences, because that's something that you guys can kind of meet halfway on. So tell me about a time where it's been really, really challenging for you to help maybe a a patient or somebody in the community and what you did to try to you know bridge that gap well i could go with numerous numerous ones like uh there was a guy um it was a career career criminal um, it was the pandemic, so I, I had mercy on folks who was getting out because I could understand that there was an increase in anxiety, increase in domestic violence, increase in overdose, increase in divorces. It was just a lot of uh, discomfort, 
So somebody's getting out of prison, coming home to a pandemic, people walk around with masks on their face and everything. And so this dude got out early because he had a um, chronic illness. You dig? And the prison start letting people out a little earlier because they was high risk. People was dying in prison from COVID. You dig? So when he got out, you know, I'm bridging the gap, helping him connect the resources, you know, but I started noticing how he started slipping up. He was he was moving too fast. He wasn't listening. Like at one point in time, he went he wasn't taking his insulin. You did, and so like next thing you know, he back in the streets. He back on you on that, that, that bull. But I was going over and beyond to make sure he had his medication. I was going over and beyond to make sure that he was getting to like recovery meetings and stuff like that, and connecting the bill community. And and it was in the midst of the pandemic. But I say I say that situation and I'm going to go back to what I said about mentorship because people was telling me, Philip, you can't pour from an empty cup. And at that point in time, my cup was running empty because I was struggling from the pandemic mm. myself. It was hard. My homeboy died from an overdose. You dig? And, and then, you know, like me and my wife, my wife had to work the whole time. You did because she worked at the uh, at the child crisis center. So she working the whole time. Then we trying to figure out child care. And then, you know, it was just a lot of stress. And, and then I had him not doing what he was supposed to do. And I had expectations on him. But but see what people told me, they said, they said, you do everything you're supposed to do and you can't control the outcomes. Exactly. You can't control the outcomes. But see me, I was on the control everything. It's like I, I, I put all this work in and I made all these connections for you. And I, 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 you, you were supposed to be this kind of way you dig. And, and, and really that wasn't on me. That was on him. Exactly. And it was because and the reason I was feeling that way. Was because I was that cup was getting empty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But make yep. it plain. I mean, that's that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> that right there. And so if you find yourself, you guys, in that situation, I think that it would benefit you to kind of backtrack like he just described and really yep. see where that root is. And then you might find out that hey, you've been overpouring a little bit too much. Come on. A, a little bit too much. So, man, you do so much. I know that you're really engaged with the North Carolina CHW Steering Committee. And so can you talk a little bit about that and what you guys are doing in the area of building up community health workers in your state? So I know that there was a big push uh, for the community health worker piece during the pandemic. Uh, a lot of it was like COVID response. Mm -hmm. um, that was some of the work that I was doing, like I say, getting out the PPE, the hand sanitizer and everything like that. Um, the, but but see, the community health workers was already doing a thing with the FIT program prior to the pandemic. You dig? They was already. And so they was coming from I forget what it stands for, but it was uh, TCN. TCN. And so they was like from uh, it was a train that training they had was like from uh, Cali. And I did a, I did it, and then the community college got a whole lot of training. They kind of overseeing the training right now. The community colleges are, and um, I did a supervisor, a community health worker supervisor training with MHP Salud. Uh, oh, I don't yeah. know. If you heard. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, uh -huh. so I did a community health worker supervisor training uh, for that. But like in Western North Carolina, uh, you know, we have with this Medicaid uh, uh, transformation. Uh, and, and so uh, they're raising up community health workers, and I believe community health workers are going to be uh, uh, in integral as it relates to uh, navigating the resources with the Medicaid changes. Mm -hmm. And um, I know that um, that I, I want to make sure that I word this right, because uh, there was a foundation that was uh, chosen to be a pilot 
for something uh with Medicaid. Hold on one second. I want to make sure I say this the right way. I don't like to misquote anything. I'm going to go straight to the plug. Uh, so Dogwood Health Trust was chosen for a state Medicaid pilot program. You dig? And so this is a big, big deal for Western North Carolina. It's like 18 counties out this way. And so um, with Dogwood Health Trust uh, uh, being this pilot, you know, they're going to be hiring up community health workers to assist nice. with North Carolina Medicaid managed care and, and and things of that nature which is going to provide you know opportunities for community members to have a job you know leveraging their trust in their and their lived experience and everything so that's why i'm i was excited about uh, uh the, the the supervisor training because i know some people some people know how to lead they just need a little need a little uh polish polishing and and learn some of the lingo you dig and and the understand the accountability piece because some people they fought for everything they got and then they get to the point to where they're in a position sometimes it's like they don't it, it, it's hard to be held accountable now because i've arrived mm -hmm. and see that's why i feel like i want to continue to be involved in like the supervising piece and pouring into people's spirits and helping them understand like how you can do this work for a long period of time instead of it being just a holiday mm -hmm. you know because i've seen a lot of people come and go they get burnt out because they don't take care of themselves, you know what I'm saying? They don't they don't keep getting filled up, you know. But you seeing you seeing people die, you know what I'm saying? From COVID, I'm pretty sure some community health workers were, were close to the families and stuff like that. You dig, and it has to that's that way. It's a wear and tear on the spirit, so it's important for people to take care of themselves. Certainly. So, in talking about self care, what do you do for self care to make sure that you stay refueled and rejuvenated? Well, I like to go to the gym. Uh, I go to the gym like three, sometimes four times a week. I love going to the gym. I could do more cardio, but I like lifting weights to just give me peace. You know what I'm saying? Like I be in the gym, I put my headphones in, the world off. You did. Mm -hmm. um, I like church with me being a spiritual guy. I'm not just talking about no pew sitting Christian either. I'm talking about I'm praise. I'm worshiping my eyes closed. I ain't worried about what y'all doing over here and over there. It's me and, and it's me and God. So that praise and worship. It's very, very important to me, you know, having my sermons. I listen to sermons when I'm when I'm solo, you know, uh, uh, hearing that word and then spending time with my loved ones, you know, um, making sure that that I'm getting that time in. Because it's really hard to have peace when the home front ain't at peace. Mm. You know what I'm saying? The kingdom, a kingdom, man, the, the, the first first my first ministry is my family. You dig? So making sure the family good and and, make, and as far as self-care for me, exercise. I do like massages. I wish I could get massages on the regular, like <laughs> two times a month. If I could get massages two times, I ain't talking about no deep tissue either. Them hurt. I like Swedish. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. if I could get two of them a month, whoo! <laughs> you be good. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that the importance of self-care and right. you've talked about the importance of the community health worker in the community and in the healthcare system. I know mental health is also really important to you. And it's also a huge part of the work that you do in recovery. So can you talk about mm -hmm. the importance that community health workers should have some type of training around mental health and why you think that's such a huge component that definitely needs to be a part of the training. Well, you know, looking at our people, you know, we need trauma informed care anyway, you know, uh, because there's so many things like even with the ACEs, you know, adverse childhood experiences, you know, uh, um, the ACE study, uh, things like that, being aware of it, you know, cause a lot of times 
people live and they think the way that they do for a reason you know they didn't all of a sudden just start having these skewed uh core beliefs it's dependent upon how what they went through and you know and and so having some training surrounding mental health not saying somebody got to be a daggone guru but like mental health first aid training uh, uh a rap which is wellness recovery action plan um, you know, you can do recovery coach, but just being aware, you know, because in these spaces, uh, in these neighborhoods, when you're dealing with people that's in poverty, you know, poverty is what precedes what substance use, crime and all that other stuff. So we got to be familiar. We got to be familiar, especially when we're working with folks in poverty. And the vast majority of the folks that I work with are in poverty. They're in poverty. You know, whether they fresh out of prison are they living in the, or, or from an economic standpoint, they trying to, you know, some of the young sisters, the single mothers and power to the young sisters, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's getting they, getting it in. Like I had this one, this one young lady in my program, you know, she, she her baby father uh, locked up, they charged him with murder. You know what I'm saying? She young. You might can see it on my LinkedIn. I had posted it on my LinkedIn. She, you know, she young and she holding it down by herself. She trying to get out of poverty. You know what I'm saying? And I got to understand what the poverty does to a person's mindset. You know, and that's why that mental health training is 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 so needed. And I feel like everybody, everybody needs some type of baseline mental health training. Even when you start going in them higher levels and, and working in the hospitals with the doctors and stuff like that. I know they traumatized by some of the stuff that they see. You dig? And so but it's important for us community health workers to be aware, you know, to have some baseline training, you know, at least mental health first aid and, and things of that nature. So we can be aware of how to best serve our clients. And whenever it's it's outside of our scope of practice, too, because, you know, some of us, we put that cape on. We ready to do it all. <laughs> we put mess around, put that cape on. Now, come on, sit down with me. Let me talk to you now. What's going on? Yeah, no. You know, they ain't ready to talk to you. They need to be talking to some clinician. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's important that we, we, you know, know those boundaries because, and I'll tell you why, it's because you can get people to start sharing so much that they start to depend on you and they have to understand that boundary and that line of you are here as a resource. You're not here as, you know, you got something going on. You call me every five, 10 minutes. That's not, that's not how that really works. Um, And you want them to get the right strategies and tools mm-hmm. so you so that they can truly heal. I know mm-hmm. we may be really amazing at CHWs, but you know, when it comes to mental health and therapy and things like that, those strategies, that's something really serious. And that's yeah. you know, really serious when you're dealing with somebody's emotions. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So important. So yeah. what is going on next with Philip? Where are you? What direction are you headed with the ministry? What direction are you headed with where you want to grow and where you want to level up um, professionally? I want to, I want to adjust the fatherless homes. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I can't let it go. Like, and it's different ways you can go with that. Like, you know, there's a part of it to where somebody need to be working with the, the, with the, with the youth, like this, this, this youth that doesn't have a father in the household. But there's another part of it to where we have to look at the economics Mm -hmm. of the household. What types of programs will best help this single parent have a a, a healthy quality of life, a healthy quality of life, and be on the way to home ownership? There's programs in place to where people can buy a house coming out of poverty, Habitat for Humanity. But you got to learn how to work the system. You got to learn how to make the system work for you. Somebody told me that they say, they say uh, rich people make the system work for them. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So we got to help people learn how to make the system work for them. You dig? And so that's what I'm on, the fatherless home piece. Um, you know, uh, 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 I'm working on a project right now with some folks. I can be more verbal about it now because I don't. I got we got a meeting coming up in July. But see, we got a popping hospitality industry in this area, and um, you know, some of the hospitality jobs don't pay that well. But you know, when we look at the mathematical equation of how the benefits cliff hits, right? You ever heard of the benefits cliff? No, I heard you say that a while ago, and so I'm like, okay, what exactly well, let's. Do you mean? So let, how much time I got before I get turned up? Oh, no. Go ahead. You're fine. Okay. <laughs> so the benefits cliff is when like, so for example, if it's a mother that has two kids, mm -hmm. a single mother that has two kids, she get a job making $15, $16 an hour, her daycare vouchers get cut oh, or yeah. the Medicaid get cut. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And we call it a cliff because it ain't no soft landing. It's like, boom, they see that check, that money coming in, like whoop you out of there. And yeah. your daycare vouchers go from 200 a month to, to 700 a month. That's a big jump. When you look at the difference in how much per hour the person is getting paid, mm -hmm. and then you look at how the food stamps get cut. So anyway, like that's where my passion is at, especially from an economical standpoint for the households, the fatherless homes, because we have to we have to help them, especially when they're young. And we got to stop thinking we get ready to solve it at a high school. By the time they hit high school, they gone. Like even middle school now, they have to yeah. chain them youngins off the chain. So we gotta catch them. We gotta catch third to sixth grade. That's that's the uh, uh, the school to prison pipeline. So we gotta start catching them and catching the families. We gotta help the family. They always want to make programs for the kids. Programs for the kids. We, it don't mean the hill of beans if you make all these programs for the kids, then they go right back home to something that's broken. Mm. So that's where that's what's next to me. You know, um, behavioral health, of course, I'm going to continue to be one of the leaders in the region with behavioral health because I'm in long term recovery. And that's, you know, I'm passionate about it. Yeah. But as far as the community health worker piece and we talk about the economic uh, 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 health and we talk about, you know, the environmental health and we talk about the uh, education, you did the social determinants of health, especially of black people. You dig? I feel like we got to do something about the fatherless homes. That's how we're going to have a piece of the incarceration rates. That's how we're going to have a piece of the uh, uh, the out-of-school suspensions is by addressing the social determinants of health of the fatherless homes. All right, man. I cannot wait to follow up with you and see what's going on with that initiative because it's very important. Um, we all know someone who, you know, has been there. We all know someone that's been there and it's very important to have those resources for our kids and for those grandparents, those aunts, uncles, all of those people that are engaged in those children's lives as they're coming up. So I cannot wait to hear what you do with this initiative. I have, I do have a question. Okay. So change agent, I see that's <laughs> on your shirt. Is that like your, coined thing or what's what's that what's the history with that so, so the, it, i'm gonna tell you sis it's funny right so when i, I the t-shirt i've always been about like wearing company t-shirts and stuff like that uh -huh. and so um i was selling t-shirts like to buy my wife's engagement ring I sold some teach like I sold some t-shirts that had perseverance versus everything. And people just was starting to know me about t-shirts. So I got a parody. I, you ever heard of Supreme Supreme? Uh, it's a brand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Uh -huh. So I, I did like a parody and I put change agent and I've always stuck with this term change agent ever since I was in school in human services. Cause I remember when I first read it in the textbook and I was like, yeah, that's dope change agent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so um, I, I made the shirts and then I remember 
people buying the shirts and they loved them and it was like wanting them, but I didn't have, you know, I'm not wasn't on that type of time with hustling apparel. You know, maybe you can provide me some peer support on how to go about selling apparel because I want to sell the shirts, but it's not a brand or anything. Like I have a consultancy change agent Cooper LLC, where I provide, you know, services with developing community health workers and peer support specialists with a specialty on recovery and reentry. You know, that's what I do with my consultancy. I also do like paid speaking engagements and group facilitation, stuff like that. But what my, uh, the nonprofit that I started, it's called Operation Gateway. But this right here, what I've been, oh, look, I, I point to the wrong side. It's right over there. But uh, but change agent, I got to the point to where I give out the t-shirts and I tell people stories. Like we got to connect on Facebook too. But like, that's what I do. I be, and I do it some on Instagram, but Facebook has been my jam and LinkedIn. But like, I'll, I'll give a shirt to somebody. I don't, I haven't been selling them. I'll get a shirt to somebody and then I'll tell a story. Like, for example, I say meet Tasha. Tasha is a community health worker. She's a she's a podcast uh, guru. She's a she's working in the community. You know, this, that, the third. Tasha come from this kind of da, 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 all the things that you would want to say. Her passions is and and then people like meet Tasha. And I like to tell people's testimonies. At some point in time, somebody gonna give me some money to have to, have to just keep telling people stories, or I'm gonna invest and start selling them because a lot of people be wanting the shirts. I just ain't got no time to be selling no t-shirts. <laughs> That's so funny because I literally was thinking like, okay, is that like, you know, his coined like name that people like to call him or what? I didn't really know. So that's really cool to know the background of it because you know you are a change agent though i love yeah. that man you need to add that on we'll, we'll have to talk afterwards so uh-huh. where can people find out more about you and what you got going on so linkedin i ain't gonna lie linkedin and facebook man because like i don't even sis i don't even have a website yo like that's I right. really, I, I legit, just like, I mean, look at us. We connect you in a whole nother state in Texas, community health working straight from social media because yeah. it's power in social media when used wisely, exactly. you know. So, um, people that want to connect, you know, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and, and that's really the best way. And then I, I, I announce stuff, I'm very transparent, especially like when grant money is involved. Like, if there's a grant that come out, I like for people to know what's going on. Like, because I want the community, I, like the definition of community health worker, a trusted member of the community. Yes. And I want to always, I want to always have that trust because like I said earlier, the people put me in this position. Mm-hmm. It was the people. It was the people trusting me to help them. It was the people that was fighting. Like whenever I, I didn't have a voice, it was people going and saying, what about Phil? How, how they end up with that? What y'all know about Philip Cooper's program? You know what I'm saying? It was mm-hmm. the people. So I'm going to always be committed to the people, want the people to trust me because I don't trust the system either, just to be clear. You know, I don't trust the system. I mean, I've been screwed over by the system even since I've been a service provider. So I definitely don't trust the system, but I but I but I trust God and I trust that God put me here to be to be somebody who disciples people. And that's what we do as community health yeah. work. We ain't doing no discipling. We discipling people as it relates to health care. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like that analogy. Yep. So I like to do this thing where I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. You have no clue what they're going to be. And it's just going to be, you know, rapid fire. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. And then we are going to wrap this thing on up. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. Complete this sentence. CHWs are. Experts of figuring it out. Oh, one was it a one-word answer or don't? No, you that okay. you good. Chocolate, vanilla, 
or strawberry ice cream? Strawberry. Sports car or luxury car? Minivan, hell. What? (laughs) (laughs) You are telling a few. There is no way. (laughs) What Uh, is your favorite car? What is your favorite car? Man, I want a Suburban. I want one of them brand new Suburbans, like all white tenant winners looking like the feds. (laughs) Okay. All right. Last one. Your favorite animal is? Dog. What kind? Man, I had a bully. I want to get enough. Man, we had a very bad experience during the pandemic. I know we wrapping up the podcast, but it's uh, uh, we had a bully and it bit my daughter in the face. But we was new to having dogs and stuff. And my daughter is very bold, and he had bit her. You know what I'm saying? And but I really was starting to like the dog. You know, I was I'm a very busy man, and so like it was hard having a puppy and stuff like that. But like when life slows down, like I would love to have a dog because I was really starting to connect with the dog. All right, I'm gonna ask you one more. You want to be remembered as a man of God. All right, y'all. That's how we wrapping this on up. Thank you so <laughs> much, Philip. I really enjoyed this podcast. Right on. Thank you for having me, sister. Thanks for listening to the CHW Crew Podcast. If you love what you hear, go subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.